Yeah. Hey, Brad. Can you pass me my Bible? I forgot my Bible. Brad's going to... Thank you. Uh, yes. Uh, sorry, I walked off to your glorious applause. No, I didn't pay that many of you to clap that much. So, Now, hey, I'm Shibu Matthew, pastor of Family Movements here at the church, and so glad to be together. We um, are diving into uh, the final installment of GOAT, greatest of all time, the promises. And today's GOAT promises about a sheep. Right? I got your attention now? Okay. Uh, you heard right. Today's goat is about a sheep, and uh, it's from John chapter 10. We're going to look uh, at that in a moment. But first, uh, we live in an agricultural state, like breadbasket, wheat, you know, we do that. But I am kind of far from the agricultural world in my day-to-day. I buy my steaks at Costco. I get my eggs at Aldi. I don't think about where these things come from. I just consume them. I buy them. Uh, I regret the price of some of them, uh, things like that, you know. But uh, the reality is that they, uh, there are some in our community that are, this is top of mind for. And for Jesus, I want to suggest that like ag- agrarian metaphors were top of mind to him because it was just the culture of the day. 2,000 years ago, uh, ancient Israel and Palestine, farming was their deal. And so when he spoke in farming metaphors, they were like just head nods. They understood what he was saying. Not the case for us, so we do need to understand some of it. So today, we'd love to do that. But here's the setup to this ag lesson that we're about to get. Um, The setup is this, is Jesus in John chapter 9 has just healed a man born blind. It's a fascinating chapter. Actually, he heals the man on the most holy day of the week, the Sabbath. And this is a problem for the opponents of Jesus, the Pharisees, teachers of the law. They're like, they have a bone to pick always with Jesus. It's It's a contentious relationship. And they have a problem that Jesus healed this man born blind on the Sabbath. So much so that they go after the guy who was healed and they're like questioning him and badgering him. And so Jesus rises in one sense to his defense, to the defense of his work. And he says this to the Pharisees. Remember, mind you, this is like his opponents that he's speaking to. Jesus had opposition and here's what he said to them. He he tells them he's come into the world so that the blind will see. I did that, guys. Like, blind will see. I did that. That's what he's saying to them. And he came into the world so that those who see would become blind. He suggests that they themselves, the opponents of his, are the blind ones. It's not a nice thing to say, but Jesus is not always nice. Uh, And uh, this has them, like, he's, like, pressed on the owie. (laughs) This has them hopping mad. Like the enemies of Jesus are now at a different level because he's calling them blind and they are not going to stand for it. Well, uh, that's the, the setup to what we're about to, the agrarian lesson on sheep that you're about to get. Because John chapter 10 is all about sheep and shepherds and Jesus launches into this metaphor to his opponents. Like the disciples are just listening in, but this is directed towards his opposition. I couldn't do it. I'm not Jesus, clearly. But Jesus goes toe-to-toe with his opposition and says these things to them. All right, so it's, a, it's John chapter 10, verses 1 to 16. It's a fairly long read, but I want you to hear the imagery, the metaphors, the different ways that Jesus uses his words to express this relationship um, that he has with us. So here it is, John chapter 10, verses 1 to 16. Uh, I've been told my voice is like a smooth oak. I don't know what that means, but this is your opportunity to listen to a tree. 
for, for the, next, the next two minutes. I think it's a good thing, but I was a, this is only 11 a.m. information, uh, in sixth grade there was an all-elementary choir and I was the soprano, if you can believe it, yeah. Heritage Elementary, Hound Dogs, I went to late the Indian Trail and it was the all-district choir, but things have changed, puberty, you know, so. We're off the rails now, I'm searching for John chapter 10, okay. Jesus will bring us back to where we're supposed to go. This is Jesus talking to his enemies, all right? Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So he, he doubles down and he keeps going and says, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the flock. He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus finishes by reiterating, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. There's a lot of imagery there. Sheep, shepherd, hired hands, wolves, thieves. And I love that Jesus' primary object lesson is sheep. Uh, sheep are amazing creatures of finite intelligence, as we will see here this morning. And this leads up to the greatest of all time promise that we're exploring today, which is Jesus sums it up at the end of chapter 10 by saying this, John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. It's, it's like simple, it's essential. It's like a few elements here. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. That's the promise. That's a, it's a really good one because it, it means that we have someone speaking to us and we're not alone in this experience. It means that we, the sheep, those who are making Jesus first 
in our lives are not left alone without a shepherd. The shepherd care for us, cares for us, speaks to us, and he knows us. And in turn, we can know the shepherd. Now, the tension is this. Uh, I don't regularly hear the audible voice of God. And I don't have a lot of friends who do. I do, in fact, hear regularly, loudly from a whole host of other voices. <laughs> Whether that's uh, friends or enemies or bosses or advertisers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like, I get a lot of voices coming this way. And it's hard to figure out what the essence is of the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd. So I'm left to ask, A, is this promise true? Can we put that up there one more time, Chris? My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Is this true that I, one of his sheep, know his voice? And how, if it's true, how do I hear the voice of the shepherd? So there's one element to this analogy that's really kind of crucial and central, and it's just the aspect of voice. Now, uh, we have uh, recently added a family member to our family. She's a two-month-old. She's awesome. Her name is Ella. Here's a picture of Ella because parents have no shame uh, and no filter for when you should stop showing pictures of your kid. Uh, I'll leave it up there too long because she's beautiful and it's awesome. And, um, and that's, El that's Ella. Did you clap for Ella? I don't know. Yeah. She's just like perfect. So it just like almost must be lauded, right? Just, she's just perfect. Now, uh, thank you. Uh, Ella is learning the aspect that this promise centers on every day. Now, when my wife was pregnant, she, she could hear through amniotic fluid our muffled voices, you know, I'm sure. But now, crystal clear, we're in her face. Like, hey, Ella, you know, and just all over the two siblings, the eight-year-old, the four-year-old, me and Anna, we're talking to her all the time. She's not talking back, but we're talking to her and she's learning our voice because this is the journey for her to, to know us. And so I love that it's so simple in John chapter 10. It's about voice and learning a voice. So we're going to dig into three things that Jesus says about voice uh, in, uh, in this chapter. But first, uh, we got to lean into what he holds up as his uh, metaphor for, for the day, which is sheep. Now, the bad news Sheep are dumb. Dumb. And that's not, that's not exactly like a pat on the back for us. You know, that's like kind of demeaning. It's not really helpful. Uh, here's, here's the way sheep are dumb. They eat grass, which is good, but they uh, will stop eating said grass when grass is gone, and they'll continue to eat the dirt, okay, until the shepherd kind of moves them along and says, new grass, you know. They just don't, they don't even think to look two feet over. You know? They just need new pasture and they need it or else they're going to ingest soil and, and be sick. They, uh, um, did you know that about sheep? You know, okay. This is, some of this is new for some of you, but I realized that we've got some 4-H'ers in the crowd that uh, I heard after the 9 a.m. service, somebody with 20 years of sheep experience that affirmed these things. So, uh, so they also uh, are notoriously timid and nervous creatures, a lightning bolt can send one sheep into panic and thus cause them all to run into panic all over the countryside. You can look this up. There's like historical events called sheep panic where they just scattered because of lightning or because of like a squirrel, you know? <laughs> this is sheep, notorious for being just nervous creatures. 
Sheep get parasites that they can do nothing about. You will see like a cow flicking the fleas, the flies off it with its long tail. A sheep has nothing to get rid of the, the bugs that have attached itself to the sheep. They are helpless. Only the shepherd can help them with those things. From time to time, sheep will become cast. For a sheep to become cast means it is no longer on its legs, it's on its back, and it cannot get back on its four legs. Now, this is hysterical, but it's awful because here's the deal. A sheep, the, the digestive process of the sheep, things are now clouding up and it's not good. It's hours. If this is a hot day, it's hours that the sheep will live if the shepherd doesn't get the sheep right side up. And even on a, a decent weather day, this sheep's life is now in danger because it's cast. Uh, much like humans, sheep have bullies. Did you know that? Sheep have bullies. We call them shillies. That was funnier at nine. Uh, but uh, they do. And here's the deal. Like a sheep will be a bully and start like edging out the other one for this prime piece of grass or like just messing with another one. And they'll do that until they hear the shepherd's voice. It's like teacher mode. Teacher starts talking and everyone starts acting right. Like these sheep are, they're like that. They're bullies. Some of them. They can do very little on their own. Their wool needs shorn. If it doesn't get shorn, it looks like this. This is a sheep that emerged from the Australian like forest and like urgently needed a haircut bad because like at some point you're so over, you have no mobility of your limbs. They, they need help for everything. During uh, mating season, you guys, you're going to dig this one. Okay. During, during mating season, two males will compete for the attention of a female and they will in a show of force and strength, start to ram each other's heads together, cracking each other's skulls on occasion. So the shepherd has to like sit this one down and grease its head up with like gre little grease and oil and this one up so that these two who are butting each other's heads just kind of glance off each other, you know? Saving their lives, preventing concussions, sheep concussions. Sheep can't defend themselves. Their only defense is their feet. They can run. They can't run fast, but it's all they can do is run. They don't have like poisonous wool. They don't have like anything else, like a poison dart frog or anything that would make them sharp hooves. They don't have any of that. They, <laughs> they can just run. And so they need a shepherd. They need someone who the traditional elements of a shepherd's uh, toolkit were a rod. And a rod was literally a stick used to beat off the invading predator and a staff. The staff has the, the curly hook, and the staff is to pull them out of thorny bramble and to help keep them on the path, away from the cliff and on the path, you know? It's wild. Sheep are just, like, really needy. So they're dumb, and this one is linked to it, but they are utterly dependent. That's, like, the worst news. Yes, they're dumb, but it also implies that they are totally dependent. Now, that's not altogether bad news because... That means they need someone, namely a shepherd, namely a good shepherd, to care for their needs. There are good and bad versions of any profession, pastors, lawyers, name it. There's a bad version of it. The same is true for shepherds. And Jesus' audience knew that there had been bad shepherds. There would be kings who would lead their nation, the nation of Israel, and they were bad kings. They were awful shepherds. Sometimes they would have a good one. And Jesus knew that his people would know what it meant when they heard the word, I am the good shepherd. 
In uh, three verses, Jesus highlights these kind of three things I want you to see about sheep. First, he says this in uh, verse 3. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So the first thing about sheep is they're great at listening. They have these directional ears. Sheep listen. Directional ears that they can orient to a certain voice whenever that's when they hear it. We don't have directional ears, uh, but we do direct our attention at things, right? And this is not a message on yours and my social media consumption because we all know that those things are things we direct our attention towards and they're not healthy or helpful. But this is uh, a message about can you find ways to direct your attention towards the shepherd's voice? What does it look like practically in your day or in your week to set aside some time for some aspect of listening to the voice of the shepherd, directing your attention? For me, uh, like, morning is great. And if I get 20 minutes in the morning of quiet, that's incredible. That's awesome. I've got a newborn who's kind of boss sometimes. And so when Ella needs us, it's like maybe a couple minutes of quiet is what I get, you know, to really get all the distractions out and listen to God for for an intentional amount of time. Maybe for you it's midday and lunch in your car or lunch can look different. And you could pause during your midday to to tune into God's voice. Maybe it's uh, um, in the evening instead of another episode of Netflix. Woohoo, that's me. Uh, you do some quiet listening instead. Now here's, uh, here's the core tenet in this greatest of all time promise, that we as sheep will hear the voice of the shepherd and will follow it. That's the promise. Here's the core tenet in all of that. Sheep are hardwired to hear their shepherd's voice. Just like Ella, the infant, is hardwired to like listen for us and make sense of our voice, sheep are hardwired for that. And you, we, are hardwired to hear God's voice. Differently for each of us, but hardwired to hear it. That's the, the, the thing that I'm banking on <laughs> that makes this promise true. Now, uh, for a sheep, it's life or death. Like, literally, they're sunk. They're dead without the voice of their shepherd. And for us, I think the challenge is it doesn't feel life or death. Like, I can get by without hearing God's voice because, you know, it, uh, it isn't life or death for me because I'm not a dumb sheep. Uh, I don't get stuck upside down in a situation that I can't get out of. Wait a minute, that's not true. <laughs> I find myself in situations that I've caused often that I need rescue from. Uh, We don't get combative with other sheep the way sheep do. Oh, no, that's that's us too. Highly combative. We have the same needs. Physically, yes, but spiritually more so. We have the same needs that sheep do. We're hardwired for it. And I just want you to hear, we're sunk without hearing God's voice in our life. So uh, we gotta ask, like, what, is, what is listening? If that's the task required for sheep and their shepherd, if listening is required, then what's listening? Well, I know, I know one thing it's not, and that's speaking. <laughs> listening is not talking, because then I'm not listening. Uh, but listening is quite simply, what, how am I 
paying my attention? How am I turning my attention towards the one who is speaking? That's, that's listening, simply put. Henry Nowen, uh, in this book, Letters to Mark About Jesus, writes this. This is a, an excerpt I want to read to you. Uh, you'll see, you'll hear part of it, and then a part of it will be on the screen here. Here's what he says. He's writing to a, a, a nephew, I believe, Mark, who is just exploring this relationship with Jesus. It's a fascinating book, just a bunch of chapters that are a bunch of letters. And he writes this to his nephew. For many of us, prayer means nothing more than speaking with God. And since it usually seems to be a quite one-sided affair, prayer simply means talking to God. This idea alone is enough to create great frustrations because if I present a problem to God, I expect a solution from God. If I formulate a question, I expect an answer. If I ask for guidance, I expect a response. And when it seems, this is Nellen's wrestle, he says, uh, when it seems increasingly that I'm talking into the dark, it is not so strange that I soon begin to suspect that my dialogue with God is in fact a monologue. Then I may begin to ask myself, to whom am I really speaking? God or myself? He names it. He calls the spade a spade and just says, hey, here's the thing that we're all kind of wondering. Is this really God? Or am I delusional? You know, is this just me? Am I making this up? He goes on to say this, listen to your heart. It's there that Jesus speaks most intimately to you. Praying is first and foremost listening to Jesus who dwells in the very depths of your heart. He doesn't shout. He doesn't thrust himself upon you. His voice is an unassuming voice, very nearly a whisper, the voice of a gentle love. Whatever you do with your life, go on listening to the voice of Jesus in your heart. This listening must be an active and very attentive listening, for in our restless and noisy world, God's so loving voice is easily drowned out. Here's how he finishes. I want you to see it on the screens. Very practically, Henry Nowen just says, you need to set aside some time every day for this active listening to God, if only for 10 minutes. 10 minutes each day for Jesus alone can bring about a radical change in your life. You'll find that it isn't easy to be still for 10 minutes at a time. You'll discover straight away that many other voices, voices that are very noisy and distracting, voices that do not come from God, demand your attention. But if you stick to your daily prayer time, then slowly but surely you'll come to hear the gentle voice of love. And you will long more and more to listen to it. This last line is the second thing that I want to point out about sheep today in John chapter 10. They will long more and more to listen to it. Sheep learn. They listen to the voice of their shepherd, but they also learn his voice. They start out not knowing his voice, and then they slowly, after repetition and experience, they begin to learn the voice of the shepherd. And it's a great question to say, how do we learn God's voice? Well, I think it's repetition and repeated encounters with the Bible, with community. We have a group of uh, high school students this summer, every Thursday from 10 to noon, they've been reading the Bible in community, led by our college intern, Kinley Dillon. We actually have a picture because this is their last day. Kinley Dillon is right here. This is the last day of her summer internship with us. She's a sophomore at K-State, um, headed back there. But they learned God's voice because of some simple repetition that, that was not really confusing. It was just took some discipline to show up, open their Bibles, and read it in community. It was incredible to, to watch them grow. 
You can do a lot of things to hear God's voice. Um, you can do a Ernie Miller nature walk and in solitude experience God's voice. You could listen to some worship music and experience God's voice through worship music. What I want to um, say is those are all well and good ways, but there is one surefire way that I want to underscore for us today. And that's God's voice as heard in the Bible. His spirit will make things in the Bible come alive and speak to you. And it's just a surefire way for us to hear the shepherd's voice in the Bible. Now, uh, it's almost like it's a, uh, it's headquarters of a radio transmission signal that's going out. And as it goes out, other radio waves collide in and make it really hard to tune in. And so I do have an analog uh, demonstration for you. And that is what, uh, what I have over here, which is a 1980s General Electric boombox. Yeah, I know these are kind of coming back, but not like this, because this is vintage, right? This is actually worth like more now than it probably was when we bought it. Uh, I borrowed this from a friend, but my family had one growing up. Now, what you need to know is that there's a there's digital world we live in with buttons on screens, and there's an analog world that used to exist, and some of you have never seen one of these. That's cool. I'd love to have you play with the boombox. Uh, but uh, there's knobs, toggle flips, uh, things here, but then on the side is a super huge knob, and that's for tuning into the frequency. So the frequencies start at 88.1 or so and 107.7, you know, there's a spectrum there and a radio station will lock in their frequency. Uh, and when I was a kid, it was hot 103.3 jams with a Z, right? Okay. The high five at 10, at 10 p.m. every night, the top five most requested songs would play. I would press record. This was my access to a mixtape because my parents would let me have the vanilla ice tape, you know, and so I had to record it myself right here. Coolio, Gangsta's Paradise, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. So, um, so we're gonna, I'm going to turn this on uh, in a moment. I'm going to flip the switch, and we're going to try to find 103.3, all right? It's not easy. It, it's simple but it requires practice of turning the knob just the right amount to get to the right station. Okay, I'm gonna turn my volume up here. Uh, right there, radio off, radio on, here we go. Oh, let me get to, I'm gonna start at 97, 98, try to see what we can find here. You ready for this, a little analog demonstration? Yeah. Whoa! So we got some static, you probably haven't heard static in a long time, that's what, Static sounds like. Now, here's, here's the key. Um, 102 was like elevator music. 101 was classic rock, which I, I just didn't do, you know, as a high schooler. 103 was the R&B jams like Usher and stuff like that. And 104 was the land of Garth Brooks that you did not want to enter, all right? This is just a little dig at my country people out there. But, uh, but here we're going to find 103. 102. There it is. There was 103. We're not going to play more than that because I can't play more than that. But static, we're, we're really familiar with this, this concept of static. We got a lot of static in our lives. Uh, there is a frequency to tune into that requires cutting out some of the static to get this crystal clear thing, which is God's voice. That's what I want you to, to really maybe come away from today with is God's speaking to me 
And it might be a whisper, but if I can get quiet enough to like listen to the whisper, it will be enough. It does require like a flipping the toggle switch to get to some quiet and turning something off or cutting something out of your life so that you could really get quiet enough to hear. Once you tune into it, you start to hear God's advice, God's encouragement. The Bible has a way of saying this in Romans chapter 8 where Paul's writing and he just says this. I want you to see this. Uh, for, those of, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And this last line is what I want you to see. The Spirit, God's Spirit, capital S, God's one unique Spirit, testifies, himself testifies with our spirit, of which there are many, as many as there are people in the room, people on planet earth. God's spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So when, when you get the frequency, like when you tune in to what God is saying, here's what you're going to hear. You're my kid. I love you. You're my daughter. I love you. You're my son. I love you. That's the primary thing that God's transmission is sending out. And from there flow all the other ancillary issues of life, like what do I do here? Who do I date? What job do I take? What city do I move to? All those things get framed in because we are God's kids hearing God's voice in gentle, whisper-like ways. Once you start tuning in, if, you have, uh, if you're confused and you have unclarity, God provides clarity if you're lonely, God's shepherd, shepherding provides companionship. If there's doubt, then God is present to your doubts, listening to them and caring. If there's pain, then he's a healer. If there's relational angst, friendship, or marriage on the rocks, then he provides counsel. His voice, if we learn and listen to it, is just a game changer. I've needed this lately. I've got a couple friendships that are just in challenging places, and I've been sitting with God holding these names up, not really talking about it because he doesn't need to hear me talk about it. He knows the angst that I have. And I've just been asking him to give me some next steps, something to do with this relationship or that relationship. He knows the unique struggle I have and he's there to encourage me and give me a next step, every step of the journey. Sheep listen. Sheep learn, and they learn by tuning in and cutting out some of the noise. And lastly, sheep are loyal. This, uh, this verse, this aspect centers on somebody else's voice, because here's what uh, Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 5. But they, the sheep, will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Sheep are loyal to the one voice that they've grown accustomed to hearing, that they've grown up with that voice. And other voices, they are actually leery of. And they give the side eye to, and they are really suspect of this kind of stranger voice. And, uh, and actually, it's kind of fun. Uh, it's a silly photo, but it's my daughter again. And it's her with a suspect face. Here it is. This is her looking at me like, I don't know about you. I'm eight weeks old. I don't know if you're like really trustworthy because they just kind of sent me home with you from the hospital, you know, and I'm just living in this new place and 
she's wondering, this is in the clinical counseling world, she's wondering, am I going to meet her needs when she needs her needs met? At 3 a.m. when she cries, she's making a bid, is what counselors or therapists will say, a bid for my attention, and I can either entertain it, or if the, the baby monitor happens to be cranked down by accident, I promise, and I don't hear it, then I've lost out on a bid for intimacy, connection that my daughter's trying to make with me. So we do, we get up at 3 a.m. and we give her what she needs, which is a clean diaper and a bottle. And now the fabric of our relationship has been just woven again together, a little bit stronger. And these repeated interactions create just a, a beautiful, secure attachment for her to hear my voice, love my voice, and go where we say go and follow us. Now there's a a lot of sheep shepherd imagery in the Bible. We've talked about one, John chapter 10, how sheep listen, they learn, and they're loyal. But I think Jesus had like the shepherds of old in mind as he was talking to his opponents and disciples. And he had Psalm 23 perhaps in mind. And he had uh, some passages about shepherds in Ezekiel in mind. I want us to spend the rest of our time, just a few minutes here, listening to Psalm 23, which is a, a psalm that is famous and is read at different settings, sometimes funerals and moments of pain, but it's one for us as sheep to recognize that God is our good shepherd. And so I'd love to read it for you uh, in this room and online, wherever you're tuning in, just to give us a little quiet and, and read this verse by verse. And I'll read a verse and then uh, give you a couple things to reflect on as we sit in quiet listening to that verse. And then I'll move on after a few more seconds of, of silence. My hope here is that we would find some stillness, you know? We thought about having like music behind us and all that. It was like, it's a message about quiet. <laughs> so let's quiet our hearts and hear from God in Psalm 23. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. God, I'm struck by the word is. The Lord is my shepherd and it reflects a decision for me to say that you are my shepherd. And God, I, I feel like I lack everything at times. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. God, I don't know when to lie down and rest. You know, and you give me that space to do that. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. God, there are paths to avoid and paths to pursue. 
you don't force me in any certain direction, but you guide me constantly. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God, we have found ourselves in peril, some of us even now, and those are dark valleys. It's hard to imagine saying, I will fear no evil in the darkest of valleys, but that is the comfort that you give us, the one who makes the darkness tremble. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod that wards off would-be attackers and the staff that pulls me out of the thorny bushes and corrects me when needed. I'm thankful for those things, God. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God, I picture a a forest clearing with ravenous wolves surrounding me, but there's a table of peace in the middle, and I'm safe. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. God, there is no shortage with you as my good shepherd. There is, in fact, abundance. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, as we're following your shepherd's voice, when we turn around, we look and see that behind us is also your presence and goodness. You're both in front and behind. Amen. You did it. Uh, You paused and reflected. We wanted to give ourselves space to try that this morning. And maybe later this week, you just uh, return to that spot in the YouTube uh, archive of this message and you just use your midday to walk through Psalm 23 again. I don't know what would be a next step for you. I do know that when we start to tune in to God's voice, we learn to love it, as Henry Nowen said. Hey, we have... uh, a 10-minute way for you to practice that we've encouraged you 
this morning, but we also have a three-hour way for you to practice this. Now, uh, don't be alarmed, because I think this is like the right step for a lot of you, some of you out there. Uh, We call it Day with Jesus, Uh, and it's a chunk of time, three hours, that we spend on a Friday or Saturday. It's led by one of our pastors, Tom Bronner, Uh, and we've been doing this for a few months, just kind of every five or six weeks, and they're incredible times. And I was thinking about it, and I realized it doesn't, like, change your life, but your life actually changes when you spend these little moments, two or three hours here, learning to be with God. And so what we do is we start in Zoom together, and then there's some time for you just to be apart for a couple hours, and we come back at the end and do some reflection and, um, and thinking about how the time went. It's a super easy, like, accessible deal for anyone. Our, my kids did it with, with me last time, and it was, it was really fun. Uh, sign up online, and we have a free little box that has, like, some supplies for three hours with Jesus, and it's just a really cool intentional gift that our team is, is giving to people who want to do that. Uh, so, so you got 10 minutes for three hours, or you pick in between. Just a way to get to know the voice of the shepherd in the season and cut out some of the static. Maybe you, uh, Brad, Brad actually brought this to my attention. Like there's antennas on boom boxes, and they kind of got to go as high as they can to catch the signal. And day with Jesus might be like the antenna that just kind of helps you tune in a little bit differently to what, what God's trying to say to you in this season. Well, uh, I tried to get a mixtape together to like play here as our outro Like a little, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll take a look at my life. Or maybe some of you, if you're a little bit older, thinking of the say anything moment where John Cusack is like the Peter Gabriel song, in your eyes, you know, that deal. Whatever it is, whatever your takeaway is from today, we just hope it's an encouraging week for you. Um, Thanks, Heartland, for being here. And we'll see you on Sunday, seven days from now. Have a good week. Bye.